On today's episode of Project Healing, we are discussing domestic violence and healing through it. So this may be a trigger for some people, and we wanted to preface the episode with that. And additionally, we did experience a couple of audio glitches that have about one or two spaces where we will cut out and then pick back up with a little bit of explanation, but you will know where they are. And thank you for listening through it and joining us for this serious but enlightening topic of conversation. Thank you, guys. Hello, welcome back to Project Healing. I'm Catherine Ann, psychic medium, intuitive healer with my co-star, Jenna Korzynski, psychic medium and also a healer. And today we have, I'm so excited for this introduction, we have a friend of mine, Tracy Holmeyer. She is a writer, speaker, author, coach, and domestic violence advocate with us today. Say hi, Tracy. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. We're so excited. Okay, so we have Tracy on the show today because... I have found in a lot of the readings that I've been doing lately, I've been coming into contact with a lot of women who are suffering from um, various forms of domestic violence, and I find that like they're not finding their way out, and it's 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 really tugging at my heartstrings. Being someone who has been in a relationship that was full of domestic violence, both emotional and physical, and then knowing that this is something that you help coach people through. I kind of, I want everyone to hear your journey, like what your background is, like, just tell us all about you to start out with. What do you do? Who are you? Why are you here? No, what is, Girl, we, let's we hear it. We do this for the next three days. No. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you, first of all, for having me on. And, and this topic is so, um, it's so layered. And I just want to preface everything that we say with like, no two stories are alike, Right. Um, and there's also help for everybody. So, um, whether you think you're being abused or you're not sure, um, domestic violence is actually any volatile situation that is brought into your personal environment by another person that is supposed to be significant in your life and a loving feeling relational dynamic, right? So a lot of people are like, Oh, well, he never hit me. And I used to say that too, because he had never punched me right in the face. But he had held me up by my neck and then gave me a concussion as he threw me onto the floor. Right. So we have to be very it's, it's like a broad stroke of what domestic violence can look like. And then each variety, each way that they manipulate our life, male or female, um, is very personal. And so I just want to address that, like, even if you don't feel like. I'm not an abused woman or I'm not, you know, she just hits me sometimes or whether it's financially or whatever, that we're inclusive into all different um, types of situations. If your life is being altered in a negative way by somebody who's supposed to care for you and love you, that's a form of domestic violence. So I want to be very, very broad in that sense. Um, and also be wary of, of those who have wounds maybe that don't show on the outside, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the wounds on the inside took way longer to heal than the bruises on the outside. So, um, I want to start there and just be, um, really invite people into the understanding of what domestic violence really is. 
um, and that it doesn't have to look a certain way. I never accepted that I was um, in a domestic violence type situation until years after. I couldn't even say it out loud. Um, and um, well, I, you know, didn't have this happen or that happen. And it's so easy to remove ourselves from situations applying to us that feel uncomfortable. But the truth is, is that whether it's financial, emotional, mental, spiritual, um, there, the list goes on, right, of ways that your life can be uprooted by another human. Um, those are all uh, types of domestic violence situations. Thank you for making that mm-hmm. very clear. So much so. I think that, and you know, that was my experience with it as well. I can remember saying like, well, he never hit me. He never X, Y, and Z. And it was, yes. it was so much worse than that emotionally. The, you're, you're absolutely right. The scars that don't show physically typically are harder to heal. I mean, yeah. 100%. And then he eventually did get physical. So I think that that is also... That's, that's something I, every time someone says he never hit me, that's, ugh, it sends chills down my spine because you can feel it coming, especially yeah. when you've already walked through that, that life. Right. Okay. Well, and I think it's very uncomfortable when you consider like that, that's the straw that yeah. breaks us, right? Yeah. When all of the other assaults to our life, um, we either smooth over or figure out a way, you know, a lot of these Um, narcissistic, sociopathic type of um, abusers, um, sidebar, hurt people, hurt people, right? So they all have their Mm -hmm. own story and their own histories, etc. But that doesn't negate the fact that they're still doing harm to you in whatever, whatever capacity is. And oftentimes, the the ones that show other people is when we're finally willing to draw the line. And so my my offering to people is like, if your life is uncomfortable in the day to day, if you're walking on eggshells, if you're not sure what you're going to get, right. Dial it back. Don't wait until the physical abuse has to be hidden, right? Like this is happening to your life as it is right now. And, and really owning that. And you know, there are so many resources, resources out there. We can get circle back around to that later too absolutely thank you for pointing out like the different dynamics that can occur too because i really think that is one thing that people miss is that it's not just the physical abuse Mm -hmm. um so thank you thank you for just bringing that up for everybody because that's so important to know and i think it's what perpetuates the cycle because people assume that well it's not that bad Mm -hmm. as if what's happening to them is okay or right or good. Right. And, um, we, especially when it comes to somebody that we love, that we don't want to put them in the same box as an abuser, Mm -hmm. but it's inevitable that it's the person that's doing that to you. So, um, sometimes love isn't enough to, uh, relinquish the, the harm that they've done. I kind of want to start at the end a little bit for you and then circle back to because right now you're in a position where you're you're literally living your dream right now. You're yeah. you're helping people, <laughs> you're coaching people, you're writing, you're speaking, you're 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 advocating, you're doing everything that full that fulls that fulls your heart. Here it starts, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that fills your heart. <laughs> and you're doing so 
after you've been in a place where you have feared for your life, where you have been terrified, where you have been physically and emotionally beaten down to the point of the scared dog you see in the commercials being coaxed out from behind the van to get help. You mm-hmm. have been to the bottom where so many women and men, but my experience predominantly, I feel like lately has been with women with so many battered people, though, that don't see that, they, that they'll ever get better. So what, what message do you have for them? How do they get there? How do they? And I know it's different for everybody, but what, what does that look like? How did you get to where you are now from where you were? Because it wasn't easy. No, for sure. And we're talking about years and years of healing and therapy and and different modalities of healing, right? But what I can offer in the space of healing is that it's hard and it's layered, but it's still easier than your best day of being in the, in a shit place, right? Like Mm. I, I, you go through the trenches and you, you, you learn a little and you come to a valley and you're like, okay, I'm stuck in it again. Right. And then there's another growth period and, and, and you come out of that and you feel good. And then there's more learning and, you know, I can deal with something today that I went through in my therapy. We lost you for a second. Easier and more valuable and more worth it than staying in the awful on the best day. Yeah. So, so my offering to people is like, it already sucks. It's already hard. At least let your work be worth something more or what's next or what's coming for you. Right. And you know, a lot of times you, I learned to literally bob and weave in my own home and the idea of going out um, when people are like the first question, why did you stay? Right. Or, um, well, you know, if you stayed in that situation, then you knew what you were going to get or you were asking for it. All of that was so much more volatile than what I had learned to navigate within my own home. But standing on my own outside of that and, and then asking people in return when they would say, why did you stay? I said, why don't you go ask him why he abused? Right. That gave me legs that gave me the ability to, to keep going and to keep trying. And ultimately it came down like my, to, to flash back really quick. Like my, the game changer for me was seeing my son become him. And it was that that pulled me out of it. Right. And oftentimes when, when we're in a hard place, Uh, We don't leave for us. We don't fix for us. We don't whatever that has to do with other people outside of us. And I don't if if that's what you have, cling on to that and let it drag you out full body in the mud. Right. Because at least you're getting out. One of the big differences, I think, for women moving out of a men and women. Yes. It's so like in the state of Virginia, one in four women, one in seven men. It is not. Um not happening to men, but we tend to speak on, you know, that, that that it happens to women more. I think that those numbers are obviously skewed because that's what's reported. Right. Um, but when you are looking at the situation of life or death for you, your child, what you're leaving behind the type of um, uncoverings that the people that love you will, that will have to experience if you are not there anymore, 
it's, it's enough to get us out. And the responsibility is getting out, right? We can't, we're not at fault for what's happening to us, but we are responsible. I think a lot of women hold on to, well, it was my fault I stayed, right? Because there's this social um, stress of, of us deciding that or choosing that in some way. When we let go of the fault and just take responsibility and we get ourselves out, we've checked the box. And, and that is, you know, all I could really offer to somebody is that your best day in that situation is still worse than your hardest day of healing. And you're not at fault. You just have to take the responsibility. It changes the dynamic of the hows and the whens and the wheres and the whos and, and all of answering those questions kind of a thing. No, you're perfect. I was, <laughs> yeah. I have a tendency to jump right in. So I was making sure Jenna didn't have something to say right there because I saw her taking notes. <laughs> well, well, I was, I, you really got me with, um, we are not at fault, but we are responsible for like getting out and our, and our healing, you know, mm-hmm. that is, that's huge. And I think that a lot of times people stay in situations because they tend to blame themselves for what's yeah. happening um, and realizing that if you're being abused, that's coming from the other person. That's not a reflection of who you are and what you have done. That is huge. So when you said that, it like struck something in me because I remember being that young, naive woman that was like, well, I must have done something to cause this, you know, and I see I work with a lot of younger women. um, And I see that in them, too. They're like, well, you know, I made him upset, or, you know, I text him too many times, and then he blew up at me or whatever, they're making these excuses. And um, that's really hard to it's hard to navigate through when you're trying to help people. So when you have somebody come to you, Tracy, and say things like that, how do you help, how do you help them through like, and help them realize that it's not their fault, but it's their responsibility to seek more help and to get out of the situation. So, and it's an amazing question. And I think it's super layered and, you know, it's Mm -hmm. personal, obviously for, for the individual that you're working with, but at the core of everything that you lose in an abusive or a toxic relationship, the first thing and the most fundamental thing to go is your self-trust. And so if you cannot trust yourself to make decisions or recognize right from wrong, or that you recognize right from wrong and still choose the other person, your trust self-trust goes completely out the window. And so when I'm working with other person, we do very, very simple things like, Oh, I'm thirsty let me get a sip of water, right? Like that's rebuilding that trust. Oh, I got to pee. Let me not finish this pile of work before I go. Let me not put everything else before the next meal that I make for myself, et cetera. Those are like those small fundamental things that you do, but it's impossible to recognize the big thing until you realize how little you trust yourself in the, in the smaller things. So we often start on that like micro scale of like, where was this behavior modeled for you or learned one of those two things was is usually in in the forefront of accepting that type of thing. How did those things or or the thing that happened to you create within you uh, a feeling of that's as good as it gets for me, right? And then how you live by that standard in your own day to day with self, 
right? Because if I'm somebody who has to pee and goes to the bathroom, or I'm thirsty and I drink water, I will never accept somebody, you know, treating me poorly, right? Because it's that standard that we set for ourselves. But at some point, it was modeled for us or given to us in a way that we believe to be true. Maybe it's over time, maybe it's a parental wounding, maybe it's generational, you know, whatever the thing is, we learn that this is acceptable for us. Mm -hmm. And then we start living by that and our self-trust plummets. Right? So if I can give them back just a little bit of self-trust in those little tiny bites, they go, gosh, this thing, this big thing really doesn't feel right to me. Right. Yeah. But it's too big when they don't get it on the microscopic level of how that's okay. Right. Like I go to the grocery store and I have this list of X, Y, and Z things. Dang, I really want to pick up like, you know, some, some good crunchy cereal or chips or whatever, but I'm not allowed or it's not okay. Or that's not the thing that I should have. It can be going out to eat and second guessing yourself with somebody looking in the mirror and be like, he's not going to like this. Right. However, we lower or lessen ourselves to meet somebody else's standards. We just demolish that trust over and over again. Is that? Yeah. Answer the question? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so I think it's starting with like figuring out and sometimes it does like Catherine started this in reverse. Like sometimes it's like, okay, when you were hungry today, what did you do? Well, it wasn't timing for me to eat and I had to do this thing and that thing. And like, okay, then we need to go eat first and then recognize that you self-sacrificed in order to meet those things. Where was that modeled from you, right? So sometimes it goes in that reverse order, but it's figuring out where it came from, why it's acceptable to be treated that way, and then doing the most smallest things in the day-to-day -day process to, you know, just kind of unknot yourself from that um, kind of disarray life. Makes sense. Makes total sense. So when you talk about building those little nuances of trust for yourself, those small trusts, I mean, that's seemingly impossible for some people, right? But they like, I am someone who who gets stuck in the overwhelm of the big picture, no matter how small you break it down for me, I always look back to the big picture and think, like, panic, this is always going to be too hard. I'm, a, I'm very, what, what is the word I'm looking for? I'm like extremist in that way. It's, it's going to be way too hard or it's way too easy and there's no middle ground. And I, I feel like when you, okay, let's backtrack here. When, <laughs> <laughs> why do I have a podcast again? Somebody tell me. Um, <laughs> when you are working with these people, you're getting you're getting clients to you in a space where they are ready to heal, but they only think that they're ready to heal on on some level, right? Like there's they don't realize how broken down they probably are at that point. So I guess what I'm asking is like, what does that look like for you in the beginning? How does how do you how do you make people comfortable enough to trust you or trust themselves to trust themselves? That seems Jenna, do you need to translate for me? <laughs> No, I mean, I, I mean, I get what you're saying yeah, for sure. I, okay. And, I'm, and I'm, I feel I'm like up what you're putting down. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of it starts with, I don't give anybody work to do that I haven't first done myself or have had to go through in some capacity. So um, when people learn about me, when they hear my story, when they understand where I'm coming from, a lot of times there's more, it's like, 
that it resonates with them rather than me preaching it to them or telling it to, I can't give anybody their answers. Right. Right. But I have a certain set of questions depending on the person of how they feel and how they move and whether they're aligned or not. And, and how all of that adds up at the end of the day to know if they're on their path or not. And the path is never ending. The journey is never ending until we're swept from this earth, right? We're always learning. We're always growing. We're always um, in a state of uh, newness. And a lot of times that newness can just be the form of having me like, so I explain um, sometimes to people that doing any type of life work, coaching work, meditation work, deep healing, somatic healing, whatever it is, it's like having this huge bowl of spaghetti, right? And this huge bowl of spaghetti is your life. And we're going to take out one saucy, messy, sloppy noodle at a time. And we're going to stretch it out. And we're going to look at the noodle. And then we're going to take the next one out. And we're going to do the same thing, right? And sometimes it takes months or years to get to a place where any of it makes any sense whatsoever. And the things in this specific first noodle might not make any sense to us whatsoever. But then we'll get, you know, three fourths of the way down the bowl. And you're like, hold on, there was a noodle that looked like this before now, (laughs) you know, and it's kind of like that recollection of like pulling each piece out and, and naming it and deciding what it means to you and then choosing what place it has in your life. And so when I'm working with people, a lot of times it doesn't even go like, okay, this is what happened to you. If you don't have the wherewithal in your trauma to even express it or call it by name, we can't start there. Right. Mm. Right. Like it, that That's not possible in trauma. Like your brain actually fractures the memory and puts it away for storage so that you get to a better place of healing before you can even speak it. So I'm in a trauma course um, with Bessel van de Kork, uh, Kolk, and he wrote... Um, body keeps the score. And in this training, he talks about, you know, in any like coaching, therapy, whatever modality you're using, you get pieces of the puzzle, not the whole puzzle at first. And it makes sense, right? How do you put a puzzle together one piece at a time, coaching and therapy and any healing space like that is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. My clients can't tell me necessarily what happened. Hey, you guys, I know we're about halfway through. We had a little bit of technical difficulties here, and I don't want to copy paste and splice and make this sound all weird. So we're going to pick up the best we can where we left off and keep going because evidently psychics have technical problems all the time. So what the hell? Here we are. Round 20. Um, (laughs) Nothing's different on this computer. Um, We were talking about puzzle pieces, Tracy, and I'm so sorry about that. Puzzle pieces okay. and how your clients, they, they can't necessarily express to you exactly where they are, if, if that helps jog the memory yeah. a little bit. And maybe it's, you know, uh, it needs to be said twice. You know, maybe that's the case. Um, I believe the universe works the way that it's supposed to. So we'll just go with that. But yes, um, the idea is, you know, with any type of healing, right, like when you can speak on your trauma, you are in a, a place of healed. Right. That like I have worked on it. I can talk about it. I can move through it. I have I've 
reached a place of healing. When I start with my clients, they're not there. So a lot of times I get fragmented pieces or half stories or, you know, one client took her six, six months to tell me one of the most horrible things that ever happened to her. And um, when, when that finally broke through, it was like getting, you know, a, a huge chunk of the puzzle. So it's like, imagine, you know, okay, we're all in quarantine. We've tried everything to keep ourselves busy. We're going to do a 5,000 piece puzzle. And you start to see like, okay, all the blues, we're going to put those together. And all the greens, we're going to put those together. And all the reds are going to go together here. And, and then we start to place those together through the communication um, through the healing, through the, like I do a lot with like somatic energy and moving that through the body, because, um, when it comes to trauma, it is generally stored away until we are in a safer space to move through it. And so when we're working on putting that puzzle together, we don't always get end pieces first. Sometimes we get middle pieces first, whatever it is, but each piece matters. And then as we work through it, you get the whole picture. So in the beginning of working on the things, it's all fragmented. It's all in small pieces and everything matters. We have to notice everything, especially with trauma, because there's actually um, scientific evidence that anybody with a specific trauma um, some of the places that are least affected on your body are the actually the most um, they have the most movement within them. For example, um, somebody who has been a victim of um, incest or molestation uh, will have more extreme like rapid eye movement when they sleep. Mm. Right. So even your eye muscles are moving. We have this heightened sense of awareness and there's we have specific memory cells. CD45, if anybody's interested, that track our <laughs> trauma and hold those memory cells in our body. And then as we come into a situation, right, the amygdala, like I said, scans for threats 56 times uh, per minute. So 56 times per minute, your amygdala is going, am I safe? 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 Then you add on to that the idea of uh, trauma being stored in your memory cells, you're automatically deferring to something bad is going to happen. Right. And we don't have this understanding. We think something's wrong with us. We think we're crazy. We think we're overreacting or we've been told that like, Oh my gosh, you're just making stuff up now. Oh, you're just being, you know, hypersensitive, whatever the case is. So the idea is for me working with clients is to create a safe space, no matter what your wet, sloppy, spaghetti noodle looks like, right? That it has a place um, in, in our conversation there. And then we can really analyze each thing and each piece, see what matters, see what applies and see what doesn't. And what's real and true versus what is, um, you know, our mind running away with us in quotes kind of a thing. I think I added more to that. So if we get both, you know, play both, whatever. <laughs> no, that's perfect. I definitely will. It all gets played. I don't chop. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, <clears throat> okay, so from that, what happens when we don't heal this and we continue forward? Because I know when I left my ex who was very verbally abusive and it's funny like everything you mentioned like right down to like what you're ordering on a menu you think like are they going to approve of this what are they thinking mm -hmm. and especially being empathic when you're in your early 20s and you don't know you're empathic like it just extra 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 mm -hmm. adds right all of that energy 
But I know years after when I was in therapy, I had, God bless her, loved my therapist. And she had said to me, also a Tracy, she said, you're in survivor's mode still. You're not, you can't even say, you haven't said yet, I am a victim of domestic violence. She's like, when you can say that, you can then say, I am a survivor, and then you can pick yourself up and keep going. And that was such a crucial moment for me. And and to backtrack even farther, it's the fact that you left because you were afraid of seeing your son become the same person. I remember standing on a balcony in Virginia Beach thinking my sister is three years younger than I am. What if I stay and she ends up in a situation like this, she's going to stay too. And that's what got me to leave. And that was enough to get me to leave. But it wasn't enough to get me to identify with the fact that I was a victim. Because like you, I'm a very strong minded, strong willed, independent person who has trouble admitting weakness or defeat. And I think that a lot of women see it that way. Like this isn't happening because that I, that makes me weak. That makes me wrong. That makes me stupid. That makes me whatever it is that's being lesser of a person for still being there. So when you stay in survival mode instead of healing mode, what what is that? What is that shift? How does that happen? And what so, happens if well, it doesn't? The first, the first thing that I want to um, give or offer to you know, whether it's um, somebody who has left a situation has not gone back or is still struggling with leaving the situation is like you said in the beginning, what they do is about them, how you are and who you are is about you. So Mm -hmm. to shame your heart for being loving and kind and forgiving is robbing the world of the exact gifts you were given to give to the world, right? So Mm -hmm. we cannot be less of or hold back upon, or change who we are, make smaller who we are, because those are the gifts that we were given to give to the world, right? Just because somebody took advantage of those does not make them wrong, or invalid, or or a need to be something different. Thank and that's you. Like what yeah. Mic drop. Louder for the people in the back. Right. So, you know, that, that, that is the first part is like people want to say, well, you know, if I hadn't been this or my damn heart or if she wasn't so loving. And I'm like, no, no, we need you. We need this world needs bigger hearts and more feeling. I've got chills all over my body because of yes. the truth, right? Like, We have to give of ourselves the things that we are given. However, once we learn that there are people out there who, like I said, in most cases are hurt people trying to hurt people to salvage themselves in some way or to vindicate themselves in some way, that is about them and and lessening our heart or making ourselves smaller or invalidating the human that we arrived on this planet to be is letting them win. It's not the hurt they did to us. It is not the ways that they became or showed up or what they did or did not do. It is only if we no longer continue to give our gifts that they actually win. So we have to stay steadfast in our belief systems and who we are and how we show up in this world. Freaking amen. 
I don't even know what to say back yeah, to that. That I, is, I like, know, I'm, I'm, I'm just speechless all the way. I, I was joking before we started recording, saying that I was just gonna sit here, and I'm sitting here like, uh huh, uh huh. Thank you. Give me more. Thank you. It's powerful. <laughs> but when you look at, like, look at a big, a broad spectrum thing, right? The idea of terrorism, right, is the the altering and changing of our lives as we know it in a free world mostly it's a whole nother topic going on right now <laughs> in this world but you know the idea True is story. is that if they put enough fear in us that we change our way of living that is a terrorist act right so if mm. we like the 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 most like guttural punch that we can give an abuser is to not let them change us is to not let them strip us of who we are and to stay steadfast in our beliefs and how we show up in this world and our big fucking hearts. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I love that so much. And that yeah. I, I want to like segue that into these people who um, these people, these women who have these relationships where they're beaten, they're, they're verbally abused, they're physically abused, they have people trying to run them down with cars, like the worst case scenarios, you they move on and they get out of these relationships and they go to another relationship where maybe they're not hit this time, but their every move is controlled or everything they say and do is is given the twice over all the time and they are still in a toxic relationship but they have the mentality that this is better. What, what I had a reading this morning that broke my heart because it was like a 30-year marriage where she finally felt love for the first time. And I'm thinking the whole time I'm reading, I'm like, this doesn't make sense. This isn't love. I'm not feeling this. And then she explains to me what happened with, with this significant, the new significant other. And I was like, what? That's the same thing. I'm like, honey, that's the same thing. And I don't know how to help you see that right now. That's obviously more than just like a psychic reading. That's some intensive healing. But it mm-hmm. it just blows my mind how many people, especially Jenna and I have talked about this before, how spun up I get over the TikTok audience putting all of their self-worth into relationships and is he going to pick me? So what do mm-hmm. we what do we do with that? How do we how do we fix that? Guide well, us. Well, whether whether you're in relationship, right? I hear a lot of times myself, um, gosh, but when it's good, it's so good. And yes. it's, bad, it's really bad. But I'm like, was it really good? Or was it just a break from the bad? Oh, right? and so, you know, people will assume that they're getting something more or better because, um, they're getting their cup filled in a different way. But ultimately, if we are not filling our own cup, there is an endless hole in the bottom. It doesn't matter what we're getting, good or bad, it just goes out. And so um, obviously, the, the real healing is done alone. You know, you have to really get into a space where um, you are comfortable and safe and clear in your own body, like being here quietly. There, right? Like how um, how you feel in a room of people versus just being by yourself. That kind of those things cannot be understood as well or as quickly um, in a partnership. However, um, it's like a lifeline, right? Like this was really, really bad. 
and I was tubing at a hundred miles an hour and got thrown off the tube, but I found the lifeline. Now he's still pulling me, but it's, it's less rough seas, for example. Right. right? Um, and bring somebody to a space where they can be on their own, especially if they're codependent attachments, um, uh, an- anxious attachments, things like that. It is, it's a, again, it comes back to that self-trust. It comes back to knowing self, being in self. And sometimes people can't get there with just a cut and dry. I'm going to be alone for the next year. Right. Um, but you have to take your wins where you can a lot of time in healings and celebrating those little, little things. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say they have to be alone right away, but calling it what it is, right? Like this is bad. It's not healthy for me and it's not good, but I'm not in a space to be alone yet. So I'm going to accept this for what it is, but no longer hold it as, you know, it's in my, in my veins kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. Um, oftentimes people will use other humans to keep themselves smaller because the idea of actually succeeding is even scarier than continuing to fail. So you have to give them room where they have like that failure safety net there that they can succeed in smaller ways until they become strong enough to be independent from the safety net kind of an idea. Again, it's all individual. It's all right. personal and it depends on what they've been through. Right. It is. It definitely is. That. That's thank you for that. That makes a lot of sense. And I feel like that is like the that's the worldly knowledge that I get so bumped up against and so frustrated with that I can't access myself. I just keep like gnawing at it, chomping at the bit instead. Mm-hmm. Um, so coming from where you have come from, you also you work with a domestic violence shelter. Yes, Samaritan House in Virginia Beach, right? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. um, a consistent basis that you work with them? I know you were a keynote speaker at one of their luncheons recently, pre-COVID, obviously. But um, yeah. <laughs> talk about your work a little bit with that, because that is you giving back to a community yeah. that's so, so in need. I've always been in that lane, right? I've always yeah. been philanthropic and wanting to help in different ways. And, you know, you take those tests in, like, early years about what um, – job roles fit you. And mine was always like counselor or, you know, flight attendant. And I'm like, well, I guess that makes sense. You know, like giving people what they need, making sure they get their, their masks on first, et cetera. Um, but, uh, I had always been in a space of wanting to do more and give back. And, you know, with my son, even we would go, whether it was Thanksgiving or Christmas or both, we would do, you know, homeless shelters. And, and I wanted to expose him to all of that kind of stuff. I got involved with another nonprofit locally in Virginia Beach um, at the same time that I was introduced to Samaritan House. And um, I went in and then spoke at Samaritan House. In a, um, when I speak on my story now, it comes from a place of healed awareness. When I spoke on it before, it was like a monotone. I've done the like deep healing work, but mm-hmm. I don't know what doing with my life right now kind of a thing you know um and so I got involved with them um and one of their uh uh, best people she is recipes passed on now Mm. but she saw something in me that said you have a way of delivering your story captivating emotion truth putting it all out there 
without breaking and crumbling, right? You have like this resilience in your tone that you can speak it and we can feel it. Um, but you don't lose your mind while you're talking about it kind of thing. And I, of course, looked at her like she was cuckoo up a tree. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, if you if you need me to talk to people, I will. So next thing you know, I end up on the um, speakers series uh, for them. And she's like, we have an event we want you to do. Um, I think you came to it last year. And the very first wave luncheon was... Um, I sat there and I heard they played a 911 call over the speaker system. And I was like, that was my life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was, as these women got up and shared their stories, I was like this, I have this calling, you know, to, to tell what happened and not because I need mine to be heard, but because somebody needs to hear it. And, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into sharing your story, especially when the abuser is in the next city over, you know, or, um, whatever, like, how do I go into this? And I sat there when she told me and I wrestled with it. I'm like, ah, what if he finds out? Or what if, you know, there's this, uh, altercation or, you know, what if something comes and there's just this wave that came over me and it said, the person that needs to hear you needs to hear you. And I need you to tell your story anyways. And I just was like, he's already done his worst, right? Like he's already done the worst things to me. I'm not scared of him. Fuck him, you know? And then I got all fired up, right? And I was like ready to tell my story. And and I got up in front of 150 people, got a standing ovation, told the whole thing. And there were people in the audience that had known me for years and I had never told all of my story to, and they're just bawling, you know, and, um, it was, it was highly emotional and all of those things. And I got down off the stage and she gave me the biggest hug and she was like, you did it. And like come overcoming that fear of being very public about what happened to me solidified the fact that I mattered. And that's what I needed in that space, right? I needed to know that it mattered more to share my story than any repercussions that could come from sharing my story. And, and that really just, it it just locked it in for me. And it, um, it, it made it um, a have to, like, this is my calling. I have to do this. And so um, I spoke for them a few times, different events and um, groups and, and things like that. And, I still do a lot of drives for them. I'm currently nomadic. And so I'm not specifically in Virginia right now, but I still, you know, donate anytime I see somebody like, I have a bunch of stuff. Where do I donate to? And I'm like, you know, um, and their organization is just, it's such a grassroots effort. It's such a, um, you know, it was, it it started in Hampton roads and uh, the people that work there are really just so dedicated that, um, it was just a, a good, honest fit for me. So, yeah, I definitely shout them out. I raise money for them. I've dyed my hair purple for them. You know, all the things. So. <laughs> Love it. Yes, we, they are, they are really, they actually, they're, they, 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 they. I'm like, what is it? I'm testing the mic <laughs> over here. Their location in Virginia Beach area is in the same 
parking lot as my old therapist. So I would, that's where, that's where all of our, our baby clothes went. Um, (laughs) The, the much not needed baby clothes. No. uh, Yeah. They're, they're so, you know, some people leave their homes in the middle of the they have on their backs, right? Like there is nothing that they don't need from exactly clothes, women, men's boys. You know, we had a woman come in and she had two teenage boys and they left in the middle of winter and they were in sleep coat clothes, right? Like, like shredded tanks and, and some basketball shorts and some flip flops. And so we had to have these like grown men size things. Like nothing is not needed. Exactly. There. So Exactly. Yeah. That's, I, I love, thank you for saying that because I think people think like canned goods and women's clothes and it's so much more right. than that. It's like formula, right. diapers, and, all of it. Yeah. Uh, appliances, you know, everything, everything. Exactly. Okay. So what, what in what capacity can people work with you? How do you what where can they find you? What can you how do you help people? Tell us about tell us about what you do now. All the things. Come All see the me things. Um, so, uh, you know, it's funny because I originally started my practice thinking I was going to be like a domestic violence coach, right? Like advocating and moving through that thing and working with women specifically. And then I got men and couples and kids and I'm like, what the heck is going on? Right? Like I thought I was just going to work with domestic violence. Um, and so for me, what I have come to understand is that my gift is moving through healing. Um, and so I, you know, I, I self identify as a soul worker, right? Um, life coach is kind of an overused term in a lot of situations. I am a certified life coach. Um, but I feel like that, doesn't quite touch the root of, of what my gifts are specifically. And it's like digging in deep, figuring out, right? Like therapy is going back and doing the reparative work on your past. Coaching with me is okay. Here's your trauma. How do we do today, today in the best way possible to move you forward to who you want to be and where you want to be in a year from now? Right. And it's accountability. It's consistency. It's it's homework. It's it's showing up when you say you will show up and doing the things that you will do. And I will find you. I will email you. I will hunt you down. Right. Like, um, so to work with me, I do offer a free meet and greet for anybody because I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Right. More like that shot of whiskey. It's totally fine. Um, I'm going to hold the mirror up. I'm going to make you, you know, tell your truths and and really call you forward. Um, and if people aren't ready for that, I wasn't always ready for that either. Right? right. So I don't, I don't want to, like I said before, I don't have anyone's answers, but I will ask you the questions that will help you find yours. So if people are ready to work in that capacity, I do one-on-ones. I also do guided meditations, one-on-ones or in groups. I've done workshops, um, for meditation, kind of debunking and demystifying what meditation looks yeah. like. Um, and I offer free ones. I have some on my YouTube channel and IGTV, et cetera. Um, but I really love the coaching packages because um, you get some skin in the game, right? You make a, a down payment or you pay the thing in full and you can pay as you go. But you really, it, it creates the 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 pull to show up and, and dig in and do the work. Um, so yeah, you can find me um, uncontrollablyme.com or IG is my jam. You know, I, I stay on IG most of the time, but all the different platforms I have in different ways. So 
whatever you post up there, people can find me. <laughs> awesome. Um, but really, it's more just, you know, we, we kind of get to the meat of the thing. And, you know, uh, it's, it's a it's a process and really committing to doing the work. Um, they did a they did a study of people getting a placebo, people getting um, Prozac and people doing um, yoga and meditative work. And the ongoing, most consistent, effective remedy was doing the work, doing the yoga, doing the meditation. I believe it. Kind of practice. I've done. And so because those skills set you up for being in it in the future, right? Mm -hmm. Life is going to continue to happen. We don't heal. And then we're like, we good, you know, right? Exactly. We have to create a toolbox that we can carry with us and go, ooh, I've been here before. I recognize that emotion. My brain is translating it to this feeling. How do I deal with that feeling? And then move through that practice, right? So um, that's really the, the work that I do is, is, is working with what you know to be true for yourself. And I don't mind digging in there with you and all that. I am not a therapist, so it's not about repairing that specific damage, but then creating a toolkit that people can carry with them to work through life and, and pull themselves forward. And you, I'm going to pregnant brain hard right now. I can feel it. I'm sitting here like with what I'm saying on the tip of my tongue to you, and then it just gets eaten up. Um, you, Jenna, I do this at the end of every episode, don't I? It, it, it is. It's become a theme. It's, it's getting consistent. Gonna, I golden girls out. It. It's so bad. Um, no. <laughs> listen, Catherine, I feel like it's like overload, right? When you listen to somebody else speak, whether it's at a podcast or a training or a, just a conversation, right? To be good active listeners and like, congratulations, you've done it. You forget every fucking thing you wanted to say. Especially right? when <laughs> your ADD is hell and you're hyper-focusing and remembering, then you forget. But it was that I have done Tracy's meditations and when you've offered the free ones on like Thursday nights and they, oh my God, I love them. I love it. One of my favorite tools that you introduced to me in, in in the meditation that I did with you was taking your pulse beforehand and like mm-hmm. really feeling yeah. that. I was like, what magic is this? It was right. so, well, so just for soothing. Listening, right. So there's two two things that work really quickly for people. And I'll just give you this little like smidge. I know we're getting close to time or whatever, but one thing you can do, right, is to just like you would take your pulse on your wrist, like just put the fingers there and feel that beat and then start to breathe with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Feeling that rhythm on the inhale and the exhale. And you kind of can't ignore it after a minute. You're like, oh, wait, I got to stay on this beat. Right. This blood is pulsing through your body. Every single beat runs miles through your system, keeping you alive. If you can't say that you're fucking fantastic and spectacular just for that, right? Like, we got to come back to ground zero work on that kind of thing. The second thing is, is that if you are a chocolate person, if you like chocolate, if there's a specific sweet or treat or whatever, I want you to take that treat and I want you to unwrap it and I want you to feel it in your fingers, right? And then I want you to hear the sound it makes. I want you to smell it and see it. And then as you taste the thing that you love, right, everything just just evaporates. 
outside of that thing, right? So it's like these little actions that we can take throughout the day to call us into a centered place and really being present that you can't, one, ignore what you're feeling because your heart is going to tell you, I need this right now. And then also being comfortable in that space, like, wow, this feeling, hmm, I, I feel uncomfortable. But I did something hard yesterday when I felt uncomfortable. So I think I can do this today too, right? And just really tuning into your body. So those two little things, you know, have a lot of like little practices for people, you know, imagining being the sea versus the waves and the sky versus the clouds, all of that but it's really just being present and aware in your body. So, sorry, tangent. No, perfect. (laughs) I love it, especially like... Amazing tangents. We're on for those. We're in. And your voice, your voice just drops to like that meditative place so quickly. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get in this right now. I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) I was ready for it. It's like a warm bath. It is. It really is. So funny because I was watching Jumanji too. I don't know if you've seen it, but he looks over at him. He's like, is that solder? Does that does that just happen? And I was like, that's my meditation voice. It is. It just <laughs> pops right in. <laughs> I wish that like I oh my god, I need to work on that. Mine goes to mom voice real fast. What are you doing? Like faster than anybody. That like drops in real fast. It's it's horrifying. Oh my gosh. Well, we will definitely be posting all of your information. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom today and for sharing with us in this space. And I know what you said is going to resonate with so much of our audience. And I'm so thrilled yeah. to have had you on here. And we definitely have to have you back to talk about more healing modalities and all of that because, I mean, you fit right in with our wildness. And I love it. I love it. In a couple of months, I'm going to cheers you a nice little bourbon and tea over there. Yeah. It'll be, yeah, exactly. exactly. I love it. You know, I just, I want to say thank you so much, like for real, keep doing what you're doing. You know, like there is no, there is no act too small to reach others. Right. And so whatever way we can reach them, like you doing what you do. And I've had, you know, my reading with you and we ended up just jamming for like an hour and a half, you know, like, um, and even in the space, you're like, just keep, just keep going because you're going to hit the right audience. You're going to reach the right people. And um, I, I have always said, if I change or help one person's perspective or outcome or whatever, then I'm doing what my second chance, right? Like most people mm-hmm. don't make it through domestic violence. I got that yeah. second chance and this is what I'm doing with it. And I want my legacy to be better. I want to be a better ancestor. I want to move through this space better. And so I just, I just honor you for, for holding it and letting us kind of jam out on this. Thank you. Thank you so much. And you know what, you guys, that is a wrap. So thank you, Tracy, for being on. Thank you guys for listening through the technical difficulties because we all know that my editing tactics did not walk us through all of them by the end of this. (laughs) So thanks for hanging in there to get the important messages and we will see you next time on Project Healing.